asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today, we're answering your listener questions. That's right, buddy. Today is an Ask How to Money episode. Every other Monday, we take listener questions here on the show. Listeners send in those voice memos. We love hearing your voice and we love sharing your voice with our other listeners uh, because we want to answer your questions. We've got five great ones this episode, including an investing question from a teenager. We've got a listener who is wanting to switch banks, but she wants to know what she should know. She wants to know what she should consider before <laughs> How she How do I that. do it the right way? <laughs> and we've got someone who has some self-employed life considerations to keep in mind before she makes the switch. We're going to answer those questions plus a couple others during this episode. Sounds good. Before yeah. we get to that, we have, like you said, five good questions to get to. You I got a want... good frugal or cheap for me? Well, not a frugal or cheap. Okay. But I just want to quickly mention <laughs> and a reminder to other people, this is something I just did myself. And now I'm like, I want to share this with our listeners because this is something they can do. It better be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not going to blow your socks off. But uh, I did order a Nest thermostat. Oh, nice. Not on Amazon, but from our electric company even better georgia power because here's the deal because, on their yeah. website you get a straight up 50 percent discount for getting the thermostat like 50 from to 75 percent because i get the emails from 75 from, from, from georgia power uh well, if you I only at, got 50 oh really okay. no, i feel like a loser maybe, maybe it's 75 off of like some of the 
some of those square thermostats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, I guess they have other things they sell now in their online store. Yeah, but. yeah, they've got some other ones uh, on there as well that you that you get rebates on. So it doesn't surprise me that maybe the uh, less popular thermostats are having to offer more of a discount because those Nest thermostats are awesome. We've yeah. got two of them. We've got one upstairs or on the, on the main looking. level. Yes, exactly. I love the round uh, look to them because they look like the old school thermos, like the old Honeywell where you like move the dial uh-huh, you know what I'm uh-huh. talking about it's like a like an old watch face I like that look and, and a not, lot as well not only are they attractive but having a newer thermostat can save you money especially one like a Nest because of the way it kind of learns your habits and yeah. will uh, it'll like kick on the heat or the AC accordingly and so yeah I'm excited to install this one and well, to get a half price and, and, and not that's a, only that's a great deal. to get a half price but to know that having this new thermostat is in all likelihood going to cut down on my on my electricity bills so yeah. it's one of those things where I think it's a frugal move especially if you're getting that thermostat at a oh, discount. frugal or cheap. This is just like, a, just frugal. I bought this thing and it is going to save me money. <laughs> well, and, and I wanted to mention one other thing is that on Georgia Power's website, there are other discounts that can be had on other things you might do to your home. Other incentives that they've got there for you. Yeah, like yeah. back in the day when I put new insulation in the attic, and that was a DIY move that my buddy Jay and I did together. He kindly did it free of charge. And then Georgia Power, uh, I, I believe 50% of the amount of money I spent on oh, that the project, they covered nice, it. And, uh, and so, yeah, those are the kind of things where your home is becoming more energy uh, efficient. You're going to lower your bills. And at the same time, you might get your power provider to pay for a portion of that upgrade. Definitely. Yeah. So look into your local power provider and see if there are some different incentives there. I know one of the rebates that they offered for a while, I think they actually got rid of it, but they would take any working fridge off your hands for like 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. That sort of thing. So basically, if you knew you had a fridge that nobody is going to want to buy <laughs> because it was either so rusted or dented, just busted up, which oftentimes is, happens with uh, rental properties sometimes. They will come and say, hey, like no matter what, you're going to get 30 or 40 bucks for it, which was always really nice. But I wanted to mention too, because the Nest thermostats, one of the, like you, you're talking about how it learns, you know, it's like got the learning aspect of it. At first, I was annoyed by that because I have a schedule programmed in I pull up the app on my phone. You can easily copy days, paste day, you know, paste that same schedule to, to multiple days, that whole thing. And like once or twice a year, it kicks back into like the uh, learning phase and it's and it starts making tweaks. Uh, and at first, like I mentioned, I was totally annoyed, except for the fact that it's it pushes you like it knows it enc- you better than you know it, yourself. It encourages you <laughs> to save energy because that's the whole point behind the Nest thermostats is so that you use less energy. And initially I was about to pull up the app and I was going to erase all of the changes that it had made. But then I thought, wait a minute, you know, like we've been keeping it at 64 at night. Uh, Maybe we can handle 63 degrees. The girls are, you know, they're nice and cozy. They're nice and warm under their blankets. And so that was actually a change that I allowed. And I don't know how much that one degree is saving me, but it's saving me something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, like you said, it knows me better than I know myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to put it in and kind of see like what sort of changes it makes in my life. Because like you, I like to think of myself as maybe like, um, overly into the thermostat settings and so maybe this will take my mind off and i'll start doing some of that stuff for me it's like a little personal trainer for you yes exactly but uh all right man let's mention the beer we're having on this episode this one is called really green street it's by trillium and other half literally i can't think of two better breweries to make a collaboration beer our favorite breweries have teamed together and uh yeah this one was sent to us by ali 
I'm actually a little sad. This is the last of the Trillium beers that she sent our <laughs> way. So, Allie, thank you again for the delicious beers, and we'll look forward to sharing our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. No doubt. All right, let's get on to the, the listener questions. And if you have a question and you want to submit one to Matt and I to take on an upcoming episode, well, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask, and you can see the simple instructions for how to submit a voice memo of your question, and hopefully we can take it on the next Ask HTM episode. But this first question does come from a teenager in California. Hi, Matt and Joel. Uh, my name is Arjun Mohan. I'm from uh, Tracy, California, a small city. was super small. It's basically a bad transition. I'm a teenager, and I am not financially independent. So here's my question. I am wondering how much I should contribute to my Roth IRA. Uh, I just recently scored a part-time job in the Mathanasium of Tracy. I don't know if it's my favorite place to work, but it's definitely a place to work. And I will be getting a pretty good chunk of money, not enough to hit the cap for my IRA. So here's where my question comes in. Um, Let's say I am making 5 to 5.5 grand a year, and I do plan on putting... 100% of it into my IRA. Is that a good idea? Just keep in mind, I am still a teenager. I still have teenage needs like going outside and eating, um, fashion, stuff like that, you know, Um, stuff that I am into and I think I would enjoy having. Uh, So I don't know where and to what level I should contribute uh, to my Roth IRA. Uh, My mom recommends that I contribute all of it to my IRA. And I am not really sure if that's the best decision for me, if that will make me happy even. Since I am going to grind through this job, it's definitely going to be a hard job. So, yeah, hoping for your guys' opinion on this. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to answer my question. Bye. Joel, man, we've got a small town young dude here who is already focused on growing his money, building wealth. I love that we've got this question, specifically from a teenager. And Arjun, congrats too on scoring that job. I'm happy for you. But the reason that we are pumped that you are asking this question is because essentially, like this is a timeless question that you will have to continually revisit and wrestle with for the rest of your life. Yeah, we can't uh, like settle it one and done here. Like, no. The, these are the kind of yes. things. Like, this do, is the do core. I save more, invest more, or do I live life now? It's Yes. Yeah, no finding that balance like that is literally at the core of what we talk about here on the show like all the details all the specifics all the mechanics those are just like kind of small details but truly what is at the core is finding this balance between living life now and living life into the future and so the fact that you're even asking this question already this gives you a huge leg up on your peers and you know your ability to delay that gratification is only going to grow stronger the more that you flex that muscle i agree yeah i think it's i'm glad that arjun is asking this question like do I invest all of my money right now and uh, forego some of those things that I actually want to do right now? And that's a deep question. We'll, we'll talk about that. But but let's talk about compound interest first, Arjun, because yeah, you asked if it's a good idea to put every single dollar that you're making directly into a Roth IRA. And let's talk about the money side of it. From a purely financial perspective, yes, this is a fantastic move, especially given your age. Like Every dollar you invest now is going to grow in a big way, and that's because of what's known as compounding returns. This uh, phenomenon is when the money that you earn via those investments begins to earn money itself. And over the time, it's kind of like a, a snowball going downhill, right? And it just gathers steam, it gets bigger, and it, it started small, maybe at the very top of the hill. But once it's at the bottom, it's this enormous thing that's like immovable. And yeah, it's why Albert Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. And he said, he who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays for it. And so yeah, if you've been listening to this podcast, and you're looking to invest some of your hard earned dollars in a Roth IRA, I'm sure you know this already. But let's bust out some of the numbers for you, Matt. You're our resident 
numbers guy. You're, uh, I do like crunching the numbers. I like to go with myself. the gut. You like to go with the numbers. So yeah, yeah. Why don't you bust give me that out? empirical data? And, and first of all, Arjun, I'll say yes. Your mom was right. This is the uh, the wisest move for you, financially speaking. But there's also a lot of other things that we're gonna discuss here. But uh, but yeah, let's talk about the numbers. Let's say that there is a 16 year old who starts some, some 16 year old in California. May, yeah, perhaps. Although he didn't say his age, did he? Yeah, I think. He, well, no, maybe he didn't. But he's a teenager, so I okay. bet he's like 15 or 16. <laughs> uh, but let's say there's a 16 year old who starts to max out their retirement account now. Now, and they do that for the next 10 years until they are 26. So that means that you would have contributed a total of $60,000 of your own dollars to retirement. Congrats, because that is an entire decade of really hard work. And then assuming that you are earning just, let's say, a conservative 7% in that account, you'd see that total balance almost hit $83,000. So that's a gain of about $23,000, not too shabby. But now, at the age of 26, let's, let's pretend that you stop contributing to your Roth completely, but then you continue to let that $83,000 grow for the next 40 years. By the time that you are 66 years old, that total balance will have exploded and will now be worth $1.2 million, all because you decided to max out your Roth IRA for your first 10 years of, of your life, or not of your life, of your career, I guess. Of your investing career. Yeah. yeah. And so that is a gain of over $1.1 million dollars provided solely from compounding returns. Yeah, you, so, you put in 60 Gs and now you've got 1.2 million. That's like, that's impressive. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I mean, and the fact too, I mean, the, the initial 60, that was based on your hard work. But then that additional 1.1 million was work that your money was doing. Yep. Like that was the ability of your money to work harder than you would have been able to. Okay. So Matt, I'm glad you shared the numbers. They're astounding. Like they, they do. Yeah. Uh, th- that's what they're meant to do. And hopefully that just hearing those numbers is encouraging for anybody who's young to be investing more of their dollars. And now, we even kept it at the conservative 7%. That's I, right. I was tempted to ratchet it up to 10 or even 12 <laughs> because that's what the S&P 500 has seen over the past 40 years. It has yeah. seen 12%. So yeah, I think if you you could even run those numbers at nine or ten percent, let's say, and it'd be even a whole lot bigger than that, Arjun. But it, it, yeah, hopefully, yeah, it makes you think twice, even about something a, a small purchase maybe that you might do, like going out to to get Taco Bell with some friends, where even that four or five dollar decision, you're like, man, think about what that five dollars is going to do for me over the next 30, 40 years, uh, and it makes you think twice. Mm-hmm. But we're also all about balance on the show. And, and you don't yep. want to get in the habit of foregoing all of the, the wants that you have in your life in order to just shovel money away for your future. We would say don't forgo your, as you put it, your teenager needs because all work and no play makes Arjun a, a dull kid, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's really hard to stick with a difficult job or that investing strategy if you don't allow yourself to at least enjoy some of the fruits of your labor now. But how you balance that, that's that's kind of tricky. That's right. And, you know, one thing I did want to bring up, Arjun, it sounds like your parents are strongly encouraging you to, to save every dollar that you're currently making. And I totally get that. You know, they, they probably wish that they had started investing as early as you are looking to do. Don't we all? Uh, yeah. I mean, most of us do wish we would have started sooner. But one thing that you might want to ask is if they would be willing to match your contributions. And so let's say that you make $5,000 in a given year. Would your mom be willing to contribute $2,500 to your Roth if you invest half of your earnings? If so, that would be awesome. But I also get that they may not be in the financial position to do so. But if they could, this is a route that we would love to see uh, just parents in general, anybody out there who's listening, we would love to see you take uh, because they're helping their kiddo invest more of their earnings while still allowing them to use some of that money to go towards having some fun. Yeah, still being able to hit up the Taco Bell every once in a while or go 
see a movie or you know what, whatever it is uh, live live esports events. I don't know. That's sure. what kids are into. So and well, and the thing is too, I, I love this because this mirrors the real world. Yeah. You know, like this isn't a handout. This is what for this is what employers do with a four hundred one k. They yeah. match money that you contribute yourself, just so to a much it, bigger degree. Totally. Well, yeah. I mean, well, some employers actually match 100%. Not all of them. That's true. But the ability for your parents to do that, it is not unrealistic for them. To, it's not a handout yeah. is, is what I'm pointing and, out. And here. parents that can't afford to do that, they're incentivizing their kids in the right way. And they're helping uh, their child or you know, the young man or woman to to get in the habit of doing the right thing uh, simultaneously while starting to build wealth really, yeah. really young. It's super exciting <laughs> to see your money double instantly. And then you know that money, like Matt said, is going to uh, increase by a whole lot more than that over the years. And yeah, just remember, you can't contribute more in total than your earned income, Arjun. And so, yeah, man, it's it's a great thing. You're, you're earning this money. You get the final choice. And it sounds like you've got a good head on your shoulders. So we're pretty sure that you're going to make a smart decision. But let us know how it goes and let us know what you end up doing, because we're excited to see what happens totally. in your life and in your wealth building process. Starting young is awesome. All right, Matt, we've got uh, more listener questions to get to, including one about switching banks. How do you do it and where do you go? We'll we'll get to that and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back from the break. We've got listener questions here still lined up for you. We're going to take a question about target date funds. But first, let's hear from a listener who is asking about switching banks. Hey, Matt and Joel. This is Tasha from Spokane, Washington. For starters... Thank you so much for this show. I've been listening for about three years and it has helped me budget and pay off more than $30,000 in consumer debt and even pay off my car loan early. Also, shout out to our Facebook community because you guys are always on it in there too. Anyway, on to my question at hand. So I am looking to switch from a big bank to a local credit union. Um, I've been with my bank for about 10 years. I'm from a small town in eastern Montana where there wasn't, you know, much of a choice, but it's not serving me like it used to, and I want to make the switch. I'm wondering if you guys have like a step-by-step checklist maybe to help me get everything in order to switch all my stuff on over. Thank you. Bye. Matt, first I got to say, yes, (laughs) Tasha paid off debt and the car loan. Tasha, we love it. Thank you for sharing that, those wins, and Yes, I love what she said also about the Facebook community. It is a bunch of awesome folks helping each other out on the reg. If you are listening and you're looking for online encouragement, we would suggest that, and and you're also, you know, a member of Facebook, we would say, go in there, type how to money in the search bar, find our group and join it because there are a lot of good conversations happening in there. A lot of good question answering. And yeah, you can take advantage, use the hive mind, the how to money listenership as a whole to your benefit. I would even say that it's worth joining Facebook just to join our group. <laughs> yes. But then like, um, just side note, I have that news feed eradicator. So uh, I don't even have to see anybody else's postings. I can go straight to the group and only see that stuff. If that's what you're concerned about getting addicted to scrolling Facebook all day, that's a good plugin. There you go. Uh, well, Tasha, let's talk about finding the right bank uh, because it makes a huge difference. And, you know, leaving one of those big banks is something that we highly recommend because the fees are typically outrageous. The customer service is subpar uh, and that's 
that's actually putting it nicely. <laughs> because doing business with a bank that actually wants your business and treats you well is something that we think everyone should prioritize. And yes, we actually do have a guide that we just recently published up on the site about switching banks. In that article, we talk about how to make the switch and we highlight some of our favorite banks that we think are worth considering. But we'll also, of course, get to some of your questions here during this episode. Yes. And I would say, you know, Tasha, you specifically mentioned moving your money over to a credit union, and that might be a great option. But we would say make sure that the credit union that you're joining has the perks that you like. We did a whole episode on credit unions a while back, Matt. We think they're great, but it's often Mm -hmm. best to have a relationship, we would say, with an online bank and with a credit union. And that's because some of the online banks are doing the best work when it comes to providing the features that most folks actually want. Uh, So like Ally, Marcus, Discover, and One, which is a a new player with cool features, they all have, we would say, better user interfaces, Mm -hmm, better options for online banking. Uh, Some of them are paying much higher rates of interest than most of the big banks, of course, and then a lot of credit unions. And so, yeah, with a solid online bank, it's going to be easier to do something as simple as pulling up your monthly statements. I don't know why. Like, I love my credit union. Pulling up a monthly statement yeah. on that website is <laughs> makes me want to, like, punch myself in the it's, face. Like, it sounds silly to say that this is something that, oh, online banks offer this, but literally it's because a lot of local credit unions have not prioritized this, and trying to pull up some documents for a refinance that I did last year was the most painful thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, so trying to, like, avoid jabbing yourself in the arm it's with like, pen. Yeah, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. So, yeah, we would say credit unions are typically best when it comes to borrowing, and they often have better rates if you're looking to get a loan. But when it comes to just traditional savings and checking, the online banks often have the best products. That's right. And you can get those better rates with a local credit union, oftentimes because they are member owned. So when you deposit money with a credit union, you become a member. And since it's member owned, the credit union isn't looking to milk every single dollar uh, that it can as they are not for profit organizations. Uh, But since credit unions aren't charging as much interest, they are not in the business of feeing you to death. Uh, That also means that they're paying a lower rate of interest on the money that you do have with them. Uh, But that being said, you never know because we talked about Kasasa uh, a while back. And if your credit union participates in that program, they might pay you something uh, close to like the 3% range on your savings uh, if you jump through a few hoops, which usually means, you know, using your debit card uh, 10 or 12 times a month or direct depositing your paycheck into that credit union account. And so this is a way that you might be able to get the best of both worlds. Uh, so it's worth looking around. It's worth asking about because if you're able to, you know, knock out two birds with one stone, that's definitely going to be the easiest way to go. Yeah. Ultimately, it's, it's not that big of a deal for you to switch either. So we would say drop the gross bank that you're with and and go with a local credit union or a medium-sized online bank, depending on your needs and what the offerings are from each of those institutions. I think, Matt, sometimes people build it up in their mind. They're like, switching banks. Oh, this is going to be horrible. It's going to take me forever. And I think that's what prevents people from taking action. It's it's like this inertia bias. And yeah. we're like, we're just going to stay with the default thing because we know what it is. And we know that this other product might be better, but it's probably not worth the time to switch. Well, we would disagree. We, we think it is worth the time to switch. And we would say it doesn't take all that long to set up a new account either. Uh, but you need to make sure that once your new account is open, that you deposit funds 
and then you switch any automatic payments and deposits to that new bank or credit union over the course of the next 30 to 60 days, you're going to want to make sure that like all of those ties, all of those recurring transactions have moved over to this new institution where you're planning to do most of your banking. And so, yeah, once all the ties to that old account have been severed, you're good to close the old account. But yeah, you want to make sure you do it in a methodical way, have both of those accounts open for a period of time while you're making the switch, and then just make for darn sure <laughs> that you've got everything routed. All those all those automatic things uh, routed over to the new institution where you're going to be doing most of your business. That's right. So, Tasha, best of luck to you. Uh, and regardless, we are sure that you're going to be much happier with your new bank. Joel, let's get to our next question where a listener is asking about a special technique uh, that he can employ when it comes to target date funds. Hey, Matt and Joel, this is Randy calling from Pennsylvania. I am a government employee contributing to my 457B right now, and I'm eligible to retire with a full pension in two years. I currently have all of the money in the 2025 target fund, but my plan's representative um, said that I should move 25% into 2030, 25% into 2035, and 25% into 2040, and keep 25% into the 2025 fund when I recently participated in their retirement readiness review. He says, since I'll be withdrawing the money slowly at three or four percent for year per year for the next 25 to 33 years, that I should spread out the investment so they keep working for me. Right now, I have everything in the 2025 fund, which is currently 53 percent bonds and 47 percent stock. And I thought the point of the target funds was to put them in the year closest to retirement, which 2025 would be closest to my retirement at the end of 2023. And I thought you'd just put them in that target fund and kind of set it and forget it. And the closer you get to retirement, the less risk you would have. But I kind of see his point, too, that if I'm not withdrawing the money as fast, then I should allow some of it to continue working for me. But of course, that would also mean more risk. So I was just wondering what you thought of that. And um, I will look forward to your answer. So thank you, guys. And keep up the great show. Randy, thanks for your question. And Matt, can I first just say... Pensions are awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of hate that they're <laughs> a, a relic of the past. Yeah, it's too bad. That most people don't have uh, a pension offered to them because it is so helpful from a retirement planning perspective. Like, for instance, Randy, it just uh, it, it makes these decisions so much less onerous when you know that a huge portion of the income you're going to need in retirement is covered by pension and social security. And so, yeah, the, most of us, like we, we have to, uh, a bigger burden to sock more away for our future selves. And that's a big reason, Matt, why, why you and I, we're sitting here. We want to encourage people to save more because yeah, there is- got to be more proactive exactly. than, than uh, generations in the past had to. It, exactly. Yeah. But because Randy's got one, it's going to be a big help in this scenario. That's right. And so essentially, Randy, what your financial advisor or the, the whoever you met with, what they're advising you to do is essentially called laddering. We've talked about this before when it comes to CDs, but this is a strategy that, that made sense before CDs basically became like giant nothing burgers in regards to how much interest you can earn. Like right now, CD rates are so low that it's hard to make much of a case for them at all. Uh, but I get what your advisor is getting at in regards to, to laddering your target date fund exposure, because I think the major reason that they're suggesting that you do this 
is because like one of the main criticisms of target date funds is the fact that they become too conservative once you reach retirement. Uh, that's what you described to us. And it's, you know, it's still important to have some exposure to the market, even in those retirement years. Uh, you, you still need to have some skin in the game so that money continues to work for you. That's right. Yeah. But a target date fund in those retirement years, it does have equity exposure still, although yes. a smaller percentage of your portfolio, right? So basically that means that massive bouts of volatility in the market aren't going to have like this significant impact on your portfolio balance. Uh, when we see a huge stock market drawdown, well, those bonds are going to help you weather the storm and, exp and experience less of those negative consequences. But the thing is, like I said, you're still going to have some stocks in your target date fund, likely close to 50% of that, like you mentioned. So the traditional answer, Randy, would be exactly what you said. Set it and forget it. Take the simple answer. And I would say, I think that does make sense for most folks. But part of the answer comes down to your specific goals. Other than retiring in a couple of years at the end of, let's say, 2023, are you going to be happy with the nest egg that you've been able to stash away? If so, and you don't want to think about it anymore, then leave things like they are all in that 2025 fund. But maybe on the other hand, are you hoping to see bigger gains, like larger amounts of growth, and you can afford to take that risk? Well, if that's the case, then taking a slightly more involved approach by laddering that target date fund, it does allow you the ability to continue to take a little more risk in that hope for greater financial rewards. Yeah, honestly, the way I think about target date funds, like it makes me think of uh, like an automatic transmission on a card, Joel, or like a stick shift. I see target date funds as the automatic transmission, whereas like single, like buying single stocks, that's like driving a stick shift. And most folks, right, you know, these days have never driven a stick shift. <laughs> that's because automatics are great. I miss my stick shift, by do, the way. Do you? Well, maybe you should trade single stocks. Uh, <laughs> kind of get a feel there for no, it. No, I, I like stick shifts, but not trading single stocks. So, okay. So, the reason I mention this, though, is because there, there are some cars that even though it's an automatic, you can kind of switch it to sport mode. Uh, or there's like even like kind of like the paddle shifters. Or, yeah, or there's like these fancier cars like little sports cars where they have paddle shifters built into it. And it's an automatic, but it does give you a little bit more control. That's sort of how I see laddering target date funds like this. It's they're, they're still these automatic funds in the sense that you don't have to worry about it. But by laddering them like that, you get a little bit more control. Uh, and so if you wanted to lean into it a little bit more, it's a way for you to be more involved in that process, Randy. And it's also important to consider what kind of flexibility that you'll have once you enter your retirement years, right? And so if the market tanks right after you retire, it's important to not be completely dependent on those funds. Uh, it would be great if you could significantly cut expenses, or better yet, if you could supplement your income. And as luck would have it, you do actually have a pension to cover a big chunk of your living expenses. And so you might be willing to take on some added risk by increasing your stock exposure. So it's important to keep in mind that this is a personal decision based on your timeline, your goals, and your comfort level, uh, specifically with stock market gyrations. Uh, but if your goal is to, you know, like eke out a slightly higher return and you don't mind uh, a ride with more ups and downs, then more stocks is probably going to be a good idea for you. But if you're the type of dude who is monitoring the market and would be more emotionally affected by what's happening on a weekly or monthly basis, uh, or if you just don't want to have to think about it, I would just stick with the single target date fund and not worry about it at all. Yeah, the mental game is such a, a huge part of even just a, a decision like this. But like you said, Matt, I mean, that pension just offers such a great backstop that really either decision, I feel like we're talking about minor tweaks and we're not talking about major overhauls. And so either yeah. decision Rainey makes, he's going to be fine. Uh, and he just has to be willing to be flexible and know like that. Don't don't let this decision 
overcome you from like a, an emotional perspective when it comes to your investments. Totally. All right, Matt, we got a couple more questions to get to, including one about paying off a mortgage. Does it make sense? Well, we'll get to that and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. 
That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash how to money for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash how to money for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we are back. We've got a couple more listener questions. We're going to hear from somebody who wants to know what benefits she's going to miss out on by joining the ranks of the self-employed. Hey, Matt and Joel. My name is Brittany. I'm from New York, and I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I'm about to turn 24, and I'm currently still living at home with my dad. I'm a musician and writer, so I work multiple part-time and gig-based jobs to allow for flexibility in my schedule for gigs and to allow time to work on creative projects. I'm hoping to move out within the year with my boyfriend, who is pretty much in the same boat as I am. So my question is a bit of a two-parter having to do with health insurance and saving for retirement. I'm lucky enough to be on my dad's health insurance plan until I turn 26, but if I continue to work part-time jobs and be self-employed, as you know, there's no benefits. Are there any affordable options for healthcare for someone who makes about 40 to 45K a year? My second question is in the absence of a 401k, for the time being, is it sufficient to keep investing in my Roth and traditional IRAs? Lastly, as two people who are currently self-employed, are there any costs I'm forgetting about before I take the plunge into this kind of lifestyle? Thank you so much for everything you do. I absolutely love your podcast. So keep up the good work. Brittany, thank you for the kind words. We appreciate you listening to the yeah. show. And again, like talking about Arjun starting in his teenage years. I mean, Brittany starting at age 24 uh, or even earlier, she's been listening for a while. She said like, there's just so many years for her to use that knowledge to build mm-hmm. wealth. And that's, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about healthcare for a second. Brittany, let's start there. Being on your parents' health insurance plan until age 26 is a nice perk that oh yeah wasn't a reality until Obamacare came along. And so for a, a lot of young adults, it allows you a, a lot more flexibility when it comes to your healthcare. If your parents have a good healthcare plan that you can still squeeze into, and so yeah, the, the crazy thing uh, is that you can still keep that benefit even if you move out, even if you're gainfully yeah. employed somewhere else. And this is the kicker: even if you get married, you can yeah. you can stay on that healthcare plan. And so, yeah, yeah, you don't have to be a dependent on your parents' taxes in order to join that plan. That's right. And, and it might be worth having a discussion with your dad, though, to see if maybe you can reimburse <laughs> him for some of the extra premium costs it's, that he's taking take him on. Out, take him out for drinks or uh, or a meal, maybe. Yeah, yeah but you know, especially <laughs> especially if you're moving out, it's one of those times where you can say, "Hey, listen, Dad, I know that this costs you money, and I should be getting my own healthcare plan, but uh, can I?" pay for my portion or can I yeah reimburse you for some of that and you know he he might say no it's fine I don't mind doing this um but he might at least appreciate the gesture that's right but when the time comes for you to leave your parents plan uh it's probably going to be worth shopping the uh, the government marketplace because of the increased subsidies that have been added via uh, legislation during COVID. And so you can go to healthcare.gov and it'll send you over to the state of New York's website uh, in order for you to shop for a plan. And you might find that these subsidies make healthcare really affordable for someone who is in your income range. Um, but the thing is, you're not going to know just how affordable it's going to be until you actually run the numbers. So just get in there, start plugging in some numbers, start getting some quotes, and you will quickly be able to see what that's going to cost you. Yeah. And as you're looking into reasonably cost healthcare plans, one of the things that a lot of people have found as, you know, as their income grows, the healthcare marketplace becomes prohibitively expensive. It's just really difficult to afford the premiums, much less the out-of-pocket costs that come with healthcare plans on the exchange if you make a decent income. And so people have been turning towards health sharing companies and they can be a good alternative for low-cost healthcare for certain people, but it's really important to know what you're signing up for when you're signing up for one of these plans. It's not 
actually insurance, uh, although these plans function a lot like insurance. Right. And so for folks with low to moderate income levels, healthcare.gov is the best place, especially right now for a lot of folks to turn. But those health sharing companies are worth looking into for a lot of people. If the if you run the numbers and it's like, oh man, I can't afford that. Uh, but yeah, Matt, we have an article up on the website about MediShare. You've been a member there uh, for a lot of years. I recently joined up and that's a good place for a lot of folks to turn if you fit the requirements. Totally. And uh, Brittany, also when it comes to your investing question, the answer is yes. Keep investing. You're asking if it's going to be enough for you to invest within just the IRA. Like we mentioned with Arjun, hopefully you, you heard us answer his question earlier. You can do a lot of retirement damage by maxing out just your IRA you can every still single year. become a millionaire even oh. if you never invest beyond just the Roth IRA and max that, that junker, junker that is out. completely true. Yeah. But at your income level, though, don't even think about putting money into a traditional IRA because the tax break, it's going to be so minuscule. And with your creative pursuits, it sounds like your income should only continue to rise from what you're making currently. And the same is also going to be true of tax rates. We're only going to see those go up. And so pay that little bit of tax now and get the dollars that you invest in that tax sheltered Roth IRA. Just be sure to max that out at $6,000 each year. That, that's a, a big chunk of money. And so if you want to kind of break that into smaller pieces, you're looking at $115 a week. And even still, I don't want it to sound like we're downplaying uh, how much money that is because 115 bucks every single week, that is a lot of money. Um, but if you are able to do that every single week, uh, that will be something that you are glad that you did years from now. Yes. And at the very end of Brittany's question, she asked about self-employed costs. Like what else is she taking on that she hasn't thought about? And that's a good question. We would say you definitely want to think about vision and dental coverage but here's the deal because sure. those don't come along with the healthcare coverage on your you know on the healthcare exchange that you're getting you have to buy a separate plan for those things but the thing is, we would say self-insure, have more cash in the bank. Uh, Matt, you recently got your eyes checked out. It was what, 80 bucks, 85 bucks? Like 70 bucks. Man. Okay, it's like so 70, it's cheap. 75. And then you got your Zenny glasses. Really affordable. For 50 bucks and you got three pairs or something like that. I yeah. mean, it's 50 it, bucks with the special coating. Okay, yeah. so it's it's really, really cheap to- <laughs> These are uh, water resistant. They're fancy. <laughs> so, <laughs> All plastics water resistant, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, so it's just so inexpensive to do those things on your own. You don't need- coverage for those things. Same, right. same with a dental plan, like, go, you know, find a dentist that will, for a cash price, you know, d do your, your dental cleaning once or twice a year. And just be sure to floss every day. Exactly. Every take care, day. Your, take care of your teeth. Uh, Flossing <laughs> is highly underrated. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I guess one other maybe uh, self-employed benefit that you're not going to have access to life insurance, but that's not really applicable because it sounds like yep. Brittany doesn't have anyone who depends on her income. Too young to consider that. Yeah. And, you know, no snacks at the workplace <laughs> office. No, no water cooler. Although she's still, for the moment being, you know, still living uh, at home with dad. And so maybe sneak a couple of those granola bars. <laughs> might feel like you're uh, <laughs> taking advantage of the Nature Valley bar uh, that you might pick up if you were employed somewhere. But Brittany, we hope that points you in the right direction. And it sounds like you are thinking about the right things ahead of time, which uh, we are glad to hear. All right, Joel, let's get to our next question. This is from a listener who is further along in his financial journey. And he wants to know if it makes sense to pay off a mortgage uh, and which one should he pay off first? Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Pat in Bend, Oregon. I love listening to your show while running my dog. I had a quick question about paying off my primary residence versus paying off a rental property. My wife and I both fully fund our retirement accounts, including maxing out my 401k and having Roth IRAs for both of us. Uh, we owe about 90000 left on our primary residence and about 128000 on a rental property. 
wanted to get your opinion which was better to pay off the primary residence or pay off the rental property. The interest rate on the primary residence is slightly better than the rental property. Thanks. All right, Pat, first I got to say, I like that you're able to multitask in that way, running with your dog while listening to <laughs> How to Money is, is impressive. If, if it was you, you, well, you've got cats now, but uh, you don't have to walk cats, do you? <laughs> no, my neighbor actually has a leash for their cat, and they do sometimes walk their cat. And it's like, oh, we got this leash for the cat, and we just hang it uh, on the peg on the wall, because that's all it does. <laughs> yes, I'm not planning to become that kind of cat person, personally. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Pat, congrats on crushing it with your retirement account contributions as well. Most of the time, when people ask this question, when people want to pay off their mortgage early, we, we usually say it's a fantastic goal, but we prefer for you to consider other options first. We'd say like contributing more to retirement accounts that will, at least by historical standards, provide a nicer return for you over the years. There's this opportunity cost that you incur yep. when it comes to paying off a mortgage that's, you know, especially in the 3% range, which hopefully yours is bad. Hopefully you've refinanced at some point and your mortgage is now at uh, one of these rock bottom rates that we've been seeing over the past year and a half, uh, because you're going to miss out on the growth of that money that you'd get from sticking more of those funds in the market. That's our traditional answer. But yeah, we think there's a little more nuance required uh, when it comes to your question. Yeah. And it makes sense too, that the interest rate on your primary home, it's a little bit better than the one on your rental property. There's usually a uh, half a point difference. But Pat, as far as you know, when it makes sense to pay off the mortgage on that property, uh, if you're getting close to retiring and you know you're looking to really stabilize and reduce the amount of risk that you're exposed to, then that makes sense. Uh, or maybe you know if you're years from retirement, but you just simply want to have that peace of mind that comes from reducing your overall debt load, knowing that it probably isn't the the most fully optimized route to take. And that last point is a big one because it's okay to not be fully optimized, but you want to make that decision knowing the trade-offs uh, and for you if being debt-free. If that's the main goal and you're okay not optimizing 100%, then we would recommend for you to go ahead and pay off that mortgage. Yeah, a prior guest we had on the show, Andy Hill, uh, he podcasts over at Marriage, Kids & Money, and he has highlighted why he paid off his mortgage in like four years. And he's a young, young fella too. And so that's something that Matt and I, I, w I don't want to say we disagree with him on it, but that's just not the route we took. And we, I understand completely why he did what he did. Totally. But there's like, what, different strokes for different folks maybe? That's right. And so yeah, paying off a mortgage is something that we don't prioritize until you're in what we call money gear number seven. And that's because the mortgage on your properties, they're at really low interest rates. And it's also giving you a tax write-off. So instead, we would say, can you use the money you would have taken to pay the mortgage to increase cash flow? Maybe by buying another rental property, if that's something you'd want to do, or to passively invest in the market inside of a brokerage account since you're already maxing out your retirement accounts. So yeah, Pat, I'd encourage you to read through our money gears again. We'll link to them in the show notes. It's worth making sure that you've gone through all of these other steps first before prioritizing yeah, that mortgage payoff. But assuming that you're going to pay off one of those mortgages no matter what, uh, which one you pay off first depends on a few things, uh, specifically though, taxes. And this is one of those areas where we obviously don't know all of your details, so we would recommend that you reach out to a tax professional uh, on this topic. But the answer likely depends on whether or not you take the standard deduction. Because if you're like a, around 90% of Americans and you take the standard deduction, then you'll likely want to pay off your primary residence since you're not getting a specific tax deduction for the interest 
interest that you're paying there. Uh, however, if you itemize your deductions and you're already, uh, you know, you're clawing back every penny that you can from the IRS, then we'd recommend paying off the rental mortgage since it sounds like that you're paying a slightly higher rate on that property. Yes, yes, agreed. And, you know, Pat, just to, to sum it up, we would say having no debt is definitely the most secure financial position that you can be in. We don't think having debt is the best thing ever, but but we're also not haters when it comes to low interest debt on your house. Uh, we we also we don't promote endless borrowing to buy a dream home that's beyond your means, and we want people to bring more money to the table when they purchase a home in the yep, first place. Absolutely, we, we don't want people to get enamored with leverage, and we don't want to praise it. Look at all the stuff I can buy. <laughs> yeah, if I only put <laughs> as, as long as I am paying interest on it. If I only put three percent down on my home, then you know that's just a, a, a puts you in a financially insecure place. But that's that's not where you're at. That's not the position you're in, Pat. And so we would say, yeah, if you're comfortable with how much you have invested for your future, and you also have this strong desire to be debt-free, go ahead and pay off one of those mortgages. And yeah, like Matt said, the the, the tax angle is probably the what it's going to come down to for which one you decide to tackle first. That's right. Joel, let's go ahead and get back to our beer. This episode, you and I enjoyed a beer called Really Green Street. This is a double IPA by Trillium and Other Half. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, I'll tell you this. I'm going to start praying tonight for a lifetime supply of this beer, like in our beer fridge, because... Just Trillium I, in general? <laughs> yeah. Just everything we've had by them over the past several episodes has been amazing. Yeah, it really has been. So big thanks to, to Allie for sending these beers our way. It's been a treat for sure. I would say drinking this one is, is like a fl- fluffy, hot flavored cloud. That's the best way I can describe it, because it's like <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it soaked my tongue with just like hop goodness. It was... It was super concentrated, but it was also, it wasn't overly dense. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, man, like that's just kind of what I'm used to from these two breweries. And so for them to team up and make this beer, just like, it makes me happy. So you said hop goodness, which makes me think of like when you eat a really good, like a real, really healthy salad, like kale and other greens, which actually I had a little little bit of uh, today for lunch. Maybe that's why this is on my mind. But oftentimes it has like a bitterness to it because Mm -hmm. these greens, you know, there's so much goodness packed into this food that you're eating uh, that has got to be a little bit bitter because there's a lot of vitamins and stuff like that going on in there. That's what I feel like with this specific beer that they have such a large quantity of hops in this that it, it almost... It slightly eclipses some of this, the, the the sweeter notes, and it's kind of bordering on that bitter edge, uh, that bitter edge hop territory. But that, that good kind of bitter, right? Y- like, yes. No, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a way in which beers I can be- I thoroughly enjoyed my salad earlier today yeah. uh, at lunch, and I am thoroughly enjoying this beer. It, it is. It's, so. the, it's the good kind of bitter combined with that, like, mm-hmm. uh, those juice tones. It's like when you're working out, it's like, oh, it's the good hurt. <laughs> <laughs> this is the good bitter. Uh, not like bitter beer face, you know, the old commercials. Was it like Heineken or something like that? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a decade ago. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about like that good bitter. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So thanks again, Ali. Seriously. Uh, it was yep, these great, great beers and this one was excellent in its own right. So, um, all right, Matt, that's going to do it for, for this episode. For listeners who want to submit a question for a future Ask HTM episode, well, we would love to hear it. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are simple directions for recording a voice memo, sending it our way via email, and hopefully we can take it on the show in a couple weeks. That's right. So that's going to be it for this episode. Episode Joel, until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
of small marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.